Well, the United States just had its deadliest day so far on the record with the coronavirus, reaching 570 deaths within the last 24 hours, toppling more than 3,000 people. New York, of course, is the most heavily hit from this, reporting a 14% increase in cases as, of course, infections have soared from 9,298 people to 75,795 people, and the deaths have risen from, again, 332 previously to now 100, uh, sorry, 1,550. One thing is sure is that this is increasing in its severity in the amount of people that it infects, and that's why in this video, me and Tim Pichot will be documenting all the latest developments socially and politically happening, of course, with the coronavirus. And one of the biggest stories unfolding right now is the fact that CNN anchor Chris Como, the brother of New York Governor Andrew Como, has tested positive for the coronavirus, and he is saying that he is suffering many of the symptoms for it. He just released a Twitter message saying specifically, quote, so in these difficult times that seem to get more difficult and complicated by the day, I just found out that I am positive for coronavirus. I have been exposed to people in recent days who have been subsequently tested positive, and I had fever, chills, shortness of breath. I just hope I didn't give it to my kids and Christina. That would make me feel worse than this illness. I am quarantined in my basement, which actually makes the rest of my family seem pleased. I will do my show from here. We will all beat this by being smart and tough and united. Uh, the most interesting part is him saying that he will continue somehow this uh, CNN show in his basement. I was really nervous there for a second that I couldn't get more, uh, more Chris Cuomo, so I'm really glad he's continuing that. Now, of course, we're not fans of, of, of CNN, to say the least, not fans of, of, of Chris Cuomo, but of course, we wouldn't wish anyone uh, any, uh, you know, any, anything bad. Uh, but that's the situation developing right now with a lot of people's attention on a lot of famous people who are dealing with this, who, of course, are getting the best coverage that they can. Meanwhile, a lot of other regular people uh, still predominantly can't get tests, can't even find out what's going on with them. But uh, again, this is a story that, of course, a lot of people are paying attention to since, of course, it involves someone in the public eye. And of course, with Chris Como also being the brother of New York Governor Andrew Como, this is why this story is galvanizing a lot of attention. And I'm curious what people think about it down in the comment section below. But Tim, uh, that's not uh, Como, of course, from CNN is in the news, but his older brother, the New York governor, also is in the news all the time doing daily press conferences that the mainstream media is picking up. And now there seems to be a new war of words between him and the U.S. President Donald Trump. Why don't you tell us what's going on there? Yeah, so there is a war of words between uh, Trump and uh, the older Cuomo over here. So apparently, you know, what, what is really going on here is that it's, it's always, you know, government's the answer. What's the question? How can we get more uh, centralization of power? And everyone's, you know, turning into like a he said, she said uh, at the moment over here. But what we're taking a look at is Cuomo of New York has to do more. The president tweeted talking about Trump without elaborating. And then Cuomo then fires back. I have to do more. No, you have to do something. You're supposed to be the president, Cuomo posted. And, uh, you know, then he goes on to say, uh, this is a Cuomo, happy to do your job too. Just give me control of the Army Corps of Engineers and I'll take it from there, Cuomo posted. 
And then uh, on the press conference call, uh, Trump told the governors that they shouldn't rely on the federal government to provide respirators, respirators and ventilators for people if infected by the virus, according to the source familiar with the conversation. And then Trump goes on to say, try getting it yourselves. Uh, and basically, you know, I, I really do. And actually was one more, one more here, a quote from Cuomo. It says, you will have people on gurneys and hallways, Cuomo said in a press conference in Albany before the call with Trump. This is what is going to happen now if we do nothing. This is what is going to happen if we do nothing. And that, my friends, will be a tragedy. And so, you know, as, you know, we've seen time and time again, it's always, you know, we need big daddy government to come in. And we just only that one person, that one Superman, that one Iron Man to just come out and be able to solve the problem for everything that that is what that that is what we need as a country. And I think that's exactly not what we need. I mean, if you are the governor of New York, you know, and this is goes for anybody, not just picking on Democrats, not just picking on New York, not just picking on Cuomo, but why does everyone always wants to make it seem like it's always somebody else's job to, you know, take care of what they didn't do themselves. So, you know, if you're running out of food, how come you didn't go and get food, you know, ahead of time? If you don't have masks, I mean, what you could have gotten them for like five dollars, you know, years ago when it wasn't a big tragedy. And I know that there's other stories about how ventilators that there was money for ventilators that were supposed to go to New York and then they used the money and squandered it into other areas. And so it just seems to me that it's just, you know, more of, you know, we need big centralization of power. If only, you know, the government had even more power then this would be, you know, even even uh you know, even a, even a bigger deal. And right here, I'm in Arizona, and they just had the governor over here who shut down the state as of tonight. Will be the lot will be on a stay home order. But you know, luckily, the stay home order actually doesn't have really too much teeth to it. So you know, it's basically like, hey, we've uh, basically have deemed every single every single uh, job in Arizona essential. And so basically, there's no teeth to it. And now you've got liberals who are calling for. Oh, well, this needs teeth to it. And what we need here is we need, uh, you know, basically the police to come out and arrest you and shoot you if you're outside of your homes. And so it's just uh, that's just one thing that kind of gets me with all the fake liberals is that they, you know, will cry about police brutality, but then want to create more laws that then have people with guns enforce those laws, which then leads to the same police brutality that they then uh, decry against. Not to take a little, uh, you know, deviation to that, but, you know, it does seem with Trump Cuomo that uh, they are trying to, I, my, my speculation is that they are going to have a broker convention. Cuomo is going to be the guy that, that comes in, steps in, you know, because he's been acting, quote unquote, you know, presidential this entire time and that he's going to be the one that ends up uh, taking it is my, uh, my prediction, Luke. Well, these are very extraordinary times that we're dealing with. And it would be nice if, you know, politicians would put politics aside, put their ego aside and stop bickering with each other and actually do the right thing and make sure that this is handled the right way in a professional way. And so far, I got to say, not a fan of Governor Como, but he's been he's been uh, treating this situation very earnestly. and, And there's no denying that he's been talking very bluntly, very honestly. He's been telling and, and, and sharing information that uh, a lot of governments have been trying to kind of keep on the DL. And and he's really, up until this point, because now he's doing the whole political fighting thing and bickering thing, same with Trump, political fighting and bickering. No time for that right now. I don't want to play politics right now. I want to make sure that we do the right thing for everyone. Uh, I want to make sure that we have enough good information going out there to everyone. And if you look at Chris Como, he was the one saying, you know, uh, so, so, sorry, Governor Cuomo, uh, you know, forget about being quarantined, forget about martial law. Uh, he's really been doing these daily press conferences, which even the national news have been picking up because he's been willing to share a lot of the information that usually governments kind of keep to themselves. So 
uh, up until this point, uh, I, I think he's handled it somewhat way better than a lot of other governors that have either taken too much of aggressive steps or not enough of steps to actually deal with this entire situation. Now, there's another war of wars that's happening, and that's happening inside of Amazon right now, the company that's run by billionaire technocrat, some say uh, evil genius, uh, <laughs> evil villain, uh, Jeff Bezos. And the, the big arguments that are happening inside of Amazon are between the workers, not the robots, the workers, and of course, upper management, upper management of Amazon. And there are strikes happening right now at major Amazon delivery sites in Italy, in the United States. And those workers are being fired because they are organizing a strike over the virus. And I think Amazon, again, should be seen extremely critically. I think uh, I, I think Amazon deserves a lot more criticism that they've been getting, especially with uh, the the encryption breaking technology that they've been developing that they want to give over to government, especially with the facial recognition technology. I mean, when you look at Orwell, Amazon is pretty much the Orwell production factory, and that's how we really need to see them. And now I really do believe you might disagree with me, Tim, here, but I think Amazon is overstepping their balance because some of the things that these workers are striking for are basic safety precautions to take during this extraordinary situation. They're saying, hey, let's close down the facility and clean it at least for an hour once a day. Amazon is saying nope. And of course, a lot of Amazon workers are getting sick uh, with the coronavirus because, again, uh, the, the virus could live on uh, surfaces. Amazon workers are in these huge warehouses with robots everywhere. The way that Amazon treats their workers, I mean, is just is just absolutely uh, disgusting and draconian. And um, simply cleaning the facility is is something that should be done, should be taken seriously. And if you really look at the record that Amazon has. Holy cow, you would never shop from them ever again. Try to avoid Amazon as much as you can because they are a sinister, deep state, military-industrial complex wing of just the supposed private sector. But in reality, when you look at the tentacles that expand from Jeff Bezos, they expand to a lot of places, and you should be worrisome of them. That's my take on this Amazon situation. Anything else you want to say on that, uh, Tim? Yeah, no, I'm and I'm guilty as just as everybody else of going to of getting quite a few. I mean, almost all my shopping, I hate to say it, is from Amazon. Uh, I mainly do that because I hate going to the store. So you won't catch me at a Walmart. You won't catch me at a Target, any place like that. Uh, every now and then, you might maybe once or twice a year if I have to. But yeah, it, I am trying to you know decentralize my life as much as possible. But an Amazon, eBay's less evil, technically. Yeah, I mean, I mean Craigslist. Ah, uh, you know, that, that's, it's all, you know, it's starting to get into, you know, it, yeah, it, the, if there's any one thing I'm guilty of, I mean, I've, I've moved away from Google quite a bit. I mean, I'm just mainly doing DuckDuckGo and pre-search, uh, using Brave browser. I mean, so there's all sorts of ways to decentralize your life, but I'd say the biggie for me is I still am, you know, addicted to Amazon, how easy it is. But you know, with that said, uh, they should be treating the workers a little bit better. And we, we have it up on, on screen right now where we just, where we're showing, uh, you know, treat your workers like you treat your customers and, you know, and it, and it, you know, and it, but the thing is, they are big corporate welfare recipients. They get, you know, all this money from, you know, discounts from the post office. There's all these unfair advantages of things they're able to do. And it's really just create this whole race to the bottom uh, mentality where everyone else, you know, they've even, you know, one up Walmart in this sort of respect. And so, you know, it, and Amazon as a company really doesn't even make any money. If you actually back out of the, now they make a lot of money in gross revenues, 
but their profit is almost nothing. And if you take a look at what their profit is over, I think there was a quarter in 2018, or maybe it was the beginning of 2019, where Apple had actually more profit in one quarter than Amazon had their entire existence. Because if you take a look at their profit, it's like all the way up here, and then their the uh, revenue, or sorry, the re- profits all the way up here, the re- the uh, other way around. Yeah, they basically they have huge revenue numbers barely any profit. And if it wasn't for the CAA cloud contract, then they wouldn't even have that revenue, that profit to begin with, which now I think Trump was trying to then award one of these Jedi contracts over to Microsoft as sort of a dig over at Amazon. But then now Trump is then being countersued by Amazon. And so, yeah, all these politics are at play. But, you know, the one thing is that a lot of people who, a lot of these big corporations, a lot of these people that, that personally hated Donald Trump, They've actually made out like bandits during all, during all this. So I mean, that's you know one thing that sort of gets me is uh, throughout all this. But yeah, that's uh, I think that's my, my final take, Luke. Yeah, Jeff Bezos also sold off a lot of his stock right before the crash. Miraculously, somehow he knew <laughs> something was happening. As far as you know, uh, allegations of insider trading. I mean, the way that the workers are treated. I mean, I read some reports of workers having to pee in bottles because Amazon management literally times people on their bathroom breaks and doesn't allow them to use the restroom when they need to do. That's how severe of kind of uh, slavery that we're seeing from this monolithic huge company that, again, is getting an unfair advantage on the market. Jeff Bezos is also asking for bailout money, by the way. They're getting such an unfair do, do you know who the largest the recipient of government intervention? Do you know who the largest recipient of bailout funds was in 2008? If you actually take a look at all the aggregate companies that they controlled, do you know? Do you want to know who the largest bailout recipient was in 2008? It was, was Warren Buffett. So, I mean, basically, we're bailing out the richest people in the world. This is something we see time and time again. There was a secret 2008 bailout that was that was actually 16 trillion that Mark Pittman uncovered from a FOIA request. And what we saw is it basically went, you know, it took, you know. Basically, they're stealing money from poor people and then giving it to the richest people in the world. So, you know, Bank of England, you know, boom, you get hundreds of billions of dollars. Gaddafi's central bank in Libya even got billions of dollars. You know, all these other rich individuals, they got, you know, billions of dollars. And meanwhile, you know, we get 25% interest rates. Uh, and, you know, by the way, you can't defer anything, but here's $1,200. And meanwhile, for that, you know, family of four, we're going to give you three grand. But uh, by the way, you know, we're going to, you know, we tax you, uh, you know, we're, we're giving you $60,000 of debt for every family of four, but here's 3000 So we get the chicken feed, they get, you know, it's socialism for, uh, you know, for the big corporations, capitalism for the poor, and this is crony capitalism, or, you know, a bad joke I'm making is crony capitalism, and uh, yeah, they've, they've definitely not let this crisis go to waste, I'm much more concerned about the government's encroachment, and like I said before, now I'm in Arizona, and I'm being ordered that I can't even leave my house. Uh, you know, after uh, after after today, so this crazy situation going on. Yeah. Meanwhile, everyone else is getting screwed over. As we have video coming out of Pittsburgh, I don't know if you could pull that up, Tim, showing just the hundreds of cars waiting to receive some food from the local food bank in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So as we're all suffering economically, it's time to call out the robber barons, the thieves, and the big government technocrats that are benefiting off of the massive human suffering that is happening right now. We're going to be talking about the economic impacts more on the next video. Stay tuned for more here on Change the News. So the economic pain is far from over as, of course, U.S. consumer confidence is plunging and is expecting to go down from here. 
And obviously, as we've been telling you, there might be more devastating economic ramifications than there actually will be from this entire sickness. And that looks like it could be the case as Goldman Sachs is now forecasting a negative 9% rate in the GDP growth. Negative 9%. Second quarter, 34%. So astounding numbers and already after just the heels of a major bailout. And now, ever since that major bailout, we saw Nancy Pelosi right away start talking about a second bailout, second $2 trillion bill. And now CNN is talking about the same things. And so is Donald Trump as he's passing around the idea of a $2 trillion infrastructure bill, showing a signal of more bailouts, more government intervention, which is just absolute insanity. Tim Pachot, Liberty Advisor, you're here. This is your forte. This is what you're good at. What's going on with the economy and, and how's it looking in your eyes? Well, first off, thanks. That was the best pronunciation of my name. I think you've done so I'm far. I'm trying. I'm horrible at pronouncing names. Sorry. Yeah. No, no. Thank you for that. So yeah, when we've, you know, this is not definitely not over. And I can't stress enough that, that we, I used to, I mean, I swear for like the past 12 years, I would wake up, this guy's give you a little insight of what I do. And I'd check my phone immediately and say, is today the day the world ends? Is today the day the stock market is absolutely crashing? Is the event here? And I'd say the past two and a half weeks, I haven't really been doing that when I wake up because we're already here. Everything that I've been trying to warn against and been trying to you know guard against is already here. We're seeing the Federal Reserve that they are stepping in and buying everything. And I can't stress enough how important it is to let people know that the fact that you know it's not our money. Our money is the money that we are using right now was borrowed into existence. So there is no way to pay off the debt. And if you don't address that issue, everything else is tiddlywinks. Nothing else even matters. And, uh, you know, and it's just, you know, absolutely maddening to see that the Fed's coming in. They're buying up corporate bonds. They're buying up municipal bonds. They're talking about buying stock. They're buying treasury bonds. They're buying mortgage-backed securities. They're creating all sorts of different special purpose vehicles to be able to do so. And now, you know, I have, we'll probably tease this for another video, but a lot of people are, have been coming up to me and asking, you know, Tim, has, you know, I've seen that uh, this is some 4D chess and that Trump is really, you know, nationalizing the Fed and it's a big end run around. I know, uh, you know, Alex and he's arresting Oprah Winfrey and Tom Hanks for uh, child trafficking. That's another thing I heard, too. Real serious that this whole thing, this whole sickness is all a plot to go after Oprah and Tom Hanks. Sorry. Go ahead. I didn't I didn't see that. I didn't see that one. But, uh, you know, one of the guys it's in the queue drops, you don't watch the queue drops. Sorry, go no, ahead. Uh, no, sadly, I did not watch the, the Q drops. I mean, my initials are TTP for trust the plan, and I don't trust the plan. I mean, there's, you know, it's just like, oh, well, how could he have predicted all that stuff? It's like, well, I had a fake news list go viral before anybody else on Facebook. I had, I was calling out for, you know, that Trump would win and that they would blame it on the Russians going back in a video I did in September when I had like 50 people following me on there. But anyways, enough about me. We've got the Fed's balance sheet. You look at this right now, just going straight up. I mean, absolutely insane. But the thing is this, everyone is under the impression right now that, oh, you know, what we're going to do now is that this is what, you know, fixed everything and that it's a new day for America and that everything is going great now. But, you know, that is not the case. That is absolutely not the case. And, you know, this is, uh, you know, this is only the beginning because this was able to, you know, temporarily satiate what's going on now. But what's going to be going on, you know, later on down the road when it's, uh, you know, a ten trillion dollar bailout? Oh, and then we've got another fifteen trillion dollar bailout, and it keeps taking more 
economic heroin into the system to get a bigger response. But eventually, if you keep taking economic heroin, eventually it's going to kill you. And that's exactly where we're at right now, that we're just in this complete craziness. And and I do want to bring up a very important point of why another reason why the markets uh, went up you know, quite a bit last week. Now, the pension funds, how this works is the pensions have a certain allocation. I mean, every pension fund is going to be different. They all have what they call investment policy statements. And so let's just speak super broadly here. Most pensions probably have about 60% stock, 40% bonds. Again, speaking in complete generalities right now. And that's what, you know, most like 55 to 65 year olds, that's what they have. If you're watching this and you're 55 to 65 and that's what you have, uh, please go to my website because we can get you into something better. But any, anyways, enough with that shameless plug. So what the companies, so what has happened is over the past quarter, let's say they started off the quarter with 60% stocks and all of a sudden the stock market has absolutely gotten walloped and actually some of the bond markets gotten walloped too. So maybe now their 65% allocation might only be 45%. I'm just, again, making up a number here. Well, what they need to do is by the end of the quarter, they need to get that back up to 60%. And so what they need to do is they need to come in and they need to buy stocks. Now, if we go uh, over here and actually look at the article, it's saying traders have attributed a big part of the move to what we first said more than a week ago would be forced to buy pension funds who are mandated to buy as much as $850 billion in stock for quarter end to offset the underperformance of stocks relative to bonds. Now, a week and a half ago, QDS forecast $160 billion in month-end equity buying as pension and asset allocators would need to reallocate their portfolios. Since then, the S&P, wait for it, is up 10% and up 17% off the Monday lows. Our models now suggest $50 billion still to buy globally with $25 billion in the U.S., and while that figure is still large, much of the impact may already be priced in. So uh, I don't know if that if that resonates with you, if that if that makes sense. But essentially, what's going on is that these pension funds, their their stock allocations have gone way down from where they were before to start the year. They are mandated to keep it at a certain level. So now they're forced to come in and buy. That forced buying, you know, could have been what uh, you know a big uh, contributing factor, along with the fact that the Fed threw everything and the and the kitchen sink at this. And by everything, I mean they've lowered rates down to zero. They've lowered the requ- the reserve requirement down to zero. We've got a you know a two trillion dollar you know emergency CARES Act stimulus, another four trillion that you know somehow is being dispersed on top of that. And then you know the Fed is willing to do whatever it takes. Other central banks around the world are willing to do whatever it takes. And eventually this whole whatever it takes attitude, this whole, you know, let's just get them on as much economic heroin as possible is eventually going to kill the patient. But, you know, who am I to say this? Uh, we got Jim Grant, you know, he, uh, is the author or he comes out with the, uh, I think it's called Grant's Interest Rate Observer, which should be a pretty easy job now because the interest rate is going to be zero forever in my, in my opinion. And I will say that, you know, John Snyson, who, you know, also comes on the, uh, the broadcast, we did a video uh, where it was Larry Kudlow, Trump's chief economic advisor, where Larry Kudlow actually said, and this is probably, I don't know, maybe it was like last April. Uh, anyways, not important. What he said was, the rates are never going up during his lifetime ever again. Now, granted, he is kind of old, but, you know, he's not super old. And with, uh, you know, the fact that, you know, you know, we've got somebody that's, I don't know what he is, but like, let's say 68, 70 years old saying rates are never going up. And I was completely in agreement with this. And, uh, you know, we did see that briefly the three month treasury was actually negative, but we got Jim Grant saying he's in favor of life going on and that the Fed shouldn't, shouldn't be doing something amid this massive global shutdown. And they are just making it way worse. We have a debt crisis problem. When you issue new money, you are creating debt. Most most of that debt is going to the Federal Reserve, uh, which is, is going to have to be paid off by you know our tax dollars, 
And then meanwhile, the bankers and the politicians and all the lobbyists, they get paid trillions of dollars. We get paid $1,200 a piece, which, you know, for every family of four, you know, we end up paying $60,000 of debt that we have to get saddled with, but we get $3,000. So, you know, uh, I guess I am a financial advisor, but it doesn't take a financial advisor to figure out that that is a bad deal. Now, another issue that's going on, coronavirus sparks U.S. dollar dilemma for China as Federal Reserve ramps up easing. So China is the world's second largest holder of U.S. government with about $1.1 trillion worth of bonds. Now, I'd like to point out that the top holder of U.S. government debt is actually uh, the Federal Reserve itself, which is why I thought, you know, going back to May 2018, when I had a video entitled The Perfect Storm is Brewing, I knew there was no way the Federal Reserve could try to sell $50 billion of, of bonds off, off their balance sheet a month. And now it's gone from, oh, how the hell am I the only person, one of the only people out there to realize this, to now, oh, we're just buying $100 billion worth of uh, securities at day. So they tried to BS us into thinking, oh, we could sell 50 billion a month. And I'm like, well, who the hell is going to buy this? The largest buyer of the Federal Reserve debt has been the Federal Reserve. Oh, you're going to be now become the biggest seller. Oh, and then by the way, your second biggest buyer is China, who we're in a trade war with. And your third biggest borrower is Japan, who is the most indebted first world country in the world. I mean, call me crazy for not thinking that plan would work out, but that's exactly how things have, uh, you know, have, have turned out. And another thing we see here is that Putin and Trump agree that oil market situation suits neither. And, uh, you know, I think that they're absolutely right, but you know, maybe now this shows that Trump is a Russian agent saying this, uh, you know, facetiously, obviously. And well, it's uh, not just them. It's also Saudi Arabia and Iran that are involved here that of course, Saudi Arabia now officially announced that they're going to be overproducing oil. This is why it's only very close to $20 a barrel, which is absolutely crazy right now. Also, another thing I kind of wanted to ping off of you a little bit here, Tim, is China now is also reporting that their manufacturing activity is actually expanding and it's not contra uh, there's no contraction, as they're saying. But in the United States, they're saying, according to Goldman Sachs and their numbers, they're predicting a 30, 34% contraction in Q2 of this year for the U.S. economy. How do you see this kind of playing out on the world stage? Because again, as we know, China manipulates the markets just like the United States does. The Chinese government is, in, is, is intricately involved in all the major corporations in China uh, and in the United States also. The United States is very involved with a lot of the major top corporations. But again, what the United States is doing is they're, they're, they're intervening. The more they try to prevent this major fall from happening, the worse the fall will be. But what do you make of this latest kind of geopolitical assessment of China reporting positive numbers while Goldman Sachs is saying, uh, hey, 34% uh, uh, contraction Q2? Well, I mean, one, it has to do with, with China and they saw, you know, a massive ramp down and now they're, because they had a big, uh, you know, I guess some would say a draconian lockdown of everybody where, you know, they can't really do that in America. They can't go around welding people's doors shut. So they were able to get, you know, a handle of, uh, you know, what's going on with the C word a lot, a lot better than America. And so they have seen their factories ramp up. However, we are in a global economy. You know, a lot of the S&P 500 that Trump likes to tout, a lot of the, the big Dow Jones industrial averages that, you know, even we mentioned here, even though I think the S&P is a better way of measuring the economy. Uh, and actually the better way of measuring the economy is really the Russell 2000. And the Russell 2000, if, you know, that's, uh, so the big Fortune 500 companies and the S&P 500, they, you know, drive a lot of their income is going to be from overseas 
overseas. You know, obviously America is a big chunk of it too, but they get a lot of income from overseas. And so just because something, you know, could be triggered, because something is going wrong, uh, let's say everything is going great here in America. Obviously it's not, uh, unless you look at Trump's campaign slogan for keep America great, but you go overseas and because things are going better over there. Well, you know, if this is a worldwide connected economy, a lot of these companies are over leveraged everywhere. And so, you know, by, by them getting, you know, a little sick and, and all of a sudden, okay, well, you know, we've, we've got to, you know, we can't, you know, afford to pay as many workers for two or three weeks. And, uh, and, you know, it's an entire shutdown where now they have us by the, you know, what, because, you know, they have all the politicians, all the lobbyists and, and yes, I mean, I do expect, you know, the number next, next month to be horrific. We see here on screens, I'll get this right now that we've got, uh, Tom Barrick, who's probably one of the, you know, one of the top real estate, uh, guys has a, you know, big, has a big fund from, uh, Colony Campbell. And he's, and he basically in the, uh, in this video goes on to say that, you know, the worst is yet to come in America that, you know, want, wait till, uh, April. That's when things are going to get really bad. And we're not going to have to wait too much further. You know, we've got April coming tomorrow. Then at the end of April, once we get the April payroll reports, that's where I'm really expecting the bloodbath, uh, to, to go on. But if, but now some people are being, and I feel like I'm not really seeing it too much from at least my clients, but again, most of my clients are voluntarists, uh, people that have been red pilled, people that, are, you know, watch you know, alternative media. So, you know, it's not necessarily a great, uh, but I do have, I do have more of like the normal people as well. And so I think a lot of people are not, uh, really uh, more people I think would be rather prone to going to cash rather than, than thinking that now is a great time to invest just from like a high level of what I'm seeing at boots on the ground. Uh, and maybe it's because they realize that, you know, everyone's getting their, you know, two $1,200 stimulus checks, or I guess not everybody, but you know, $3,000 per family. And then that money's, you know, essentially gone before it's even, before they even get it. Uh, and then that's going to have, you know, temporary boost to the economy, but that's very, very temporary. And the bigger question is, you know, whether these companies can, you know, afford paying their bond payments. And so cue the federal reserve step into buying, all the bonds, but you know, we have Yum Brands, which that's, uh, I think, who, who is it, like Pepsi, KFC. Uh, I'm not sure if Taco Bell's in there as well. I think, think they are, but they had a very successful bond offering, uh, this week. So they were trying to raise $500 million and they actually, uh, had, I think had people commit up to like, uh, like, like into the billions. It was like five or six times oversubscribed. So I guess that is a good sign temporarily, but maybe because people, you know, associate young brands with a more reputable brand, you know, supposedly maybe that's why that maybe that's what's going on. And then we do have, uh, you know, up on screen SEC chairman. We shouldn't be banning short selling even as coronavirus drives big market swings. And I got to say, I do agree with him. Uh, not every day I agree with Jay Clayton of the SEC, but you know, I, I think there, there should be, uh, short selling. I don't necessarily think there should be manipulate, manipulative, uh, short selling that's going on. Uh, and that, but you know, this is something that blockchain can help. I mean, I know Patrick Byrne of Overstock, formerly of Overstock.com, uh, launched a company that was basically designed to prevent against this sort of predatory, uh, you know, behaviors. Uh, and it's a very fascinating, uh, fascinating story, which I do have, uh, some interviews, uh, with, with some people on, uh, T0 specifically, not making any recommendations, just, using this this uh want to highlight the fact that there is technology out there that's coming that can help alleviate a lot of this stuff but they then those they don't want to have the people have technology to help alleviate this stuff because you know they they don't want to have blockchain be uh you know voting because you know they want to be the ones who control and, and manipulate it and i forgot if it was stalin or lenin but it's you know he, he who votes does not matter it's he who counts the votes not and then you can debate whether voting even matters anyway because we get always get you know two bad choices to choose from anyways and uh i'm more of the uh, opinion that it doesn't matter uh however yeah it's a complete uh you know what storm out there everything that i've been warning about is now coming uh you know eventually we're going to see negative interest rates because we can't uh you know afford you know companies can't even afford to pay the debt they have now mainly the, the government can't afford 
afford to pay the debt we have now. And so they think, okay, well, if we just have a negative rate, then that's going to make it easier to pay our minimum payment. So as a country, we can't even afford the minimum payment. Uh, and that's why we've got to do BS things like, you know, institute negative rates, which we don't have right now. Uh, but, you know, that's a sign of where things are coming. And unfortunately, you know, I do want to divorce the term economy from stock market. Two completely separate terms, but unfortunately, they've, those terms have been married together. And Trump right now, the only thing that he's been touting when he got in there is how great the stock market is. I knew they were going to pull the rug from him, which is why podcast episode number one talked about, do not try to keep this bubble going. They're going to rip it out from underneath you. Saw this happening. I mean, it's, just, it's so frustrating being in my vantage point right here and probably a lot of uh, you know our viewers' vantage point of just knowing that you should not, you know, if you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Trump lived by the stock market. Now he's going to die by the stock market. And unfortunately, you know, a lot of us tried to, you know, prevent against this, you know, a little bit too little too late. And at this point, you know, I think it's going to be, you know, Cuomo winning a broker convention with Kamala Harris. Either way, I think Kamala Harris is somehow going to, you know, sneak her way in there uh, in some form or fashion. But uh, yeah, just bad news all the way around. I mean, uh, potentially, if there is even going to be an election, which some people are actually mailing votes now. This, yeah, the, yeah but this wants put, points a very interesting political perspective, especially with uh, Donald Trump, which, again, historically says that if the economy is not doing well, the incumbent president doesn't do well as well, uh, especially during political elections. If they even happen, everything's up in the air. We still don't know a lot. But I think one thing is sure, if we had capitalism, this storm wouldn't be as severe as it is. We don't have capitalism. We have socialism for the rich. Donald Trump <laughs> is continuing that. Uh, CNN is pushing for that. All the other people are pushing for that. And these are truly absolutely bizarre times. Perfect time to uh, team up with you, Tim. Uh, Peshot. Peshit. I, 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 you know, everything, I, everything's I, going to everything. You know, maybe it's because everything's going to Peshit. So uh, the world, I, I, the world I, I, out there. I, but it's Peshot. Yeah. I just have a bad time pronouncing it. But if you're enjoying the show, share it with your friends and family members. Um, and I truly appreciate everyone tuning in. Stay tuned. Stay tuned for more every single day here on the Change the News channel.